Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. My name is Kirk Reed, uh, joined this morning by Mike McNamara, senior partner of McNamara Financial. Good morning, Mike. Good morning again. Um, All right. So we are talking about your year-end financial review, year-end meaning end of 21, rolling into 22. Um, I believe, so we just, okay, so before I get into the the stuff, uh, I will throw out uh, our email again. So we have this checklist that we're going through. We have a, a short version and a long version. And if you would like either one or both, you can email us. And the email is questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. Uh, so you can just send an email to that email address and say, I would like a copy of the checklist, uh, please. Uh, and we will send that to you. Uh, all right. So I believe for this next segment, we are going to get into life insurance. Yep, we're going to, by the way, folks, uh, this is the great time of the year to to look at all your financial uh, thingies, uh, but life insurance is a a big one, and we're going to spend some time on it. And then, Kirk, we get lucky, the last half hour, we'll do some legal type stuff that people should be worried about. Neither one of us are attorneys, and we're quite proud about that, but we know a little bit about stuff and are comfortable talking about some of those legal aspects. Right, and and nor do we nor do we sell life insurance, but but we but we know but we know enough to 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 talk about it. Um, Yes, certified financial planners are supposed to know enough to talk about it. That's for sure. Right, correct. Okay, all right, all right. So uh, let's see, folks. So you, you grab your life insurance statements. Now, by the way, you might get some quarterly, you might get them yearly, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I think if yeah, you have- I would say, well, I don't yeah, know. It depends. So, so, yeah, so, I mean, some people, yeah. you, you might get a bill quarterly, but uh, yeah. or depending on how you pay. But as far as a statement goes, that might only come once a year, if if yeah. that. Yeah. So hopefully, you saved all the stuff that's connected to life insurance. You got that in a, a folder in the file, and at the end of the year, you take it out and you kind of put it in two or three piles. And I think those are my life insurance policies. <laughs> <laughs> that's what most people are on this. We get confused about life insurance too, folks, because uh, we think it's actually more confusing than investments. But that's another story. Anyway, uh, so uh, you you hopefully have some life insurance, but I I guess uh, before I even should have said that is that the question is, 
you know, do you need life insurance? That would be the first question I think you'd have to ask yourself. Uh, and then the second question would be, how much do you need? And then I guess the third question uh, would be, do you have do you have it? Do you have enough that mm -hmm. you need? Okay, can you afford it? So I, I know that sounds pretty basic, folks, but you, you, you got to start someplace there. You know, you, you need life insurance if you don't have enough money in the bank uh, to, to, to take care of uh, your heirs if you're uh, if you die tomorrow afternoon uh, forever and or, you know, if uh, if you're close to retirement and you've done your life right, you know, life insurance just replaces money you don't have or you haven't saved that you need. Uh, if you've already saved all that you ever need, then you don't need any life insurance. You can buy some if you want for some reasons, but, you know, needs versus wants. So, so do you need it? Probably mm -hmm. most folks who are still working and have families, the, the answer to that is yes. Okay, and some retired folks as well. Do you need it? Uh, if so, how much do you need and do you have that coverage? Uh, and oh, by the way, can you afford to buy as much as you need given the circumstances? Those are the biggies. Everything else just kind of falls out of the tree after you answer into those questions, okay? Um, life insurance does come in two basic flavors, although they have 30, I think at least 27 basic flavors these days. Baskin, Ro very, Baskin Robbins, yep. Yeah, that's right. Baskin Robbins. So two, was two uh, yeah. how, I was going to say Howard Johnson's, but I forget the number by that. No, so it's that, Baskin, that's, Robbins. That's, Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins is 31, okay. right? 31 okay. flavors. Yeah. Really? So it shows you what I know. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, yes, it's 31 flavor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that confirmation. <laughs> there are probably at least that many flavors of life insurance, but very basic. Let's just keep it simple. Okay. Whole life insurance uh, and or term insurance. Okay. Uh, term insurance. That's the easy one. Okay. Um, you can buy and I'm going to, you can buy an insurance policy for a certain amount of money for a certain period of time. And I'm going to use level term insurance as an example, which is probably the most popular. So uh, a person, depending on age and circumstances, can buy a five-year or a 10-year or a 15 or a 20-year or maybe even a 30-year deal on term insurance. Okay, I, I'm going to make up some numbers. Let's see. I can get $100,000 of term insurance uh, for the next 10 years for a premium of uh, 30 bucks a month. I'm, folks, the numbers, I'm just making up the numbers. They don't have to add up. But the point is, based on a certain age, however old you are, based on how long a period of time you want to buy it for, there's a cost. You pay that cost monthly, quarterly, or yearly, and you have that insurance for that Time frame. So if you have a 20-year level term policy, okay, for X amount of dollars, your premium stays the same for 20 years, however much you have that coverage for, you own it. And at the end of the 20th year, you don't lose the insurance. But if you choose to hang on to it, it's going to go to a year at a time kind of a thing. And it's going to be a lot more expensive okay, than when you started out, you know, 20 years before, kind of given the circumstances. That, that's a, a simple definition of term insurance. It's pure insurance. Okay. Um, the, the, the deal is that if you have 20 years worth of uh, term insurance and you live for 21 years, okay, you don't get any of that money back. You wasted all that money buying insurance, but you ended up not needing it, okay? Well, that's how your home insurance works, folks. If your home doesn't burn down or get damaged, you wasted that money. You really didn't, but, but I think you understand the point. Okay, term insurance is just like your home insurance. It's just like your auto insurance. Okay, if your home gets damaged, if you get into an accident, they'll pay. Okay, uh, and if nothing happens, I guess you wasted the money, but you had the peace of mind. You okay with that, Kirk? Yeah. You doing all right? Yep. Yeah, and I, yeah. you know, for, for this is, again, this is, you know, generic in nature, but I think term insurance, to me, is the, 
is, is preferable for, for most folks, you know, not, you know, again, not for everybody, but, you know, and, and if you talk to somebody else, you might get a different opinion, but, yep. you know, it's, it's fairly inexpensive and it, you know, in, mo- in most cases it covers the need, you know, for, for a certain period of time. And, and if you're okay that, you know, it's going to go away, then, you know, you can, it, it's, it's usually pretty affordable. Um, yeah. The, it, it, it's, it's inexpensive and the best way to buy as much as you can if you know what you need. Yeah. And I think, um, and not to get, you know, without getting too, too much into the details, you know, certain types of term, uh, you know, w- you know, with recover, uh, require medical underwriting, uh, meaning, you know, they might send somebody to your house to, you know, take blood and ask you questions and, you know, to make sure that you're, you know, healthy or fairly healthy before, you know, issuing the policy. Um, but there are other cases where you don't have to go through that. And I, you know, like if you work for a, a, like a larger company, um, they, they typically, you know, don't require, uh, the medical underwriting. So, uh, so there are, you know, there are different, different, issues or, or, you know, that could come up with that. Um, so if you're part of a group policy, perhaps you don't have to go through that. Um, but the, you know, a thing to understand about a group policy is, you know, if you retire or leave that company, you may or may not be able to take that coverage with you. Uh, so you need to be, you know, be aware of that. Um, the other thing is, the other comment I was going to make regarding term is, you know, let's say you had a, you know, a certain length of time and, you know, maybe you're older now, you're in your, you know, mid to late forties or fifties and, and you're, you're, you know, you're thinking about life insurance and you're like, okay, I have this policy. It's going to be, you know, it's going to expire in a, in a few years, you know, uh, you know, should I, you know, is, is that still okay? Or do I feel like I need it? I need to extend it. And, you know, so my thought is, well, you know, it's, you know, because term is, you know, it is dependent upon your age and, um, and your, you know, they, you know, depending on whether or not you're going to have to go through, through medical underwriting, you know, if, if you're going, if you think you might want to extend it, you know, you're better off doing that sooner than later, because, you know, if you wait for the policy to expire, you know, who knows what your, you know, your health might look by then. So, you know, it's good to be thinking, thinking ahead, uh, if, if you do, if that's all you have is term. Yeah, and by the way, if you had a comprehensive written financial plan in place, you would know how much life insurance you would need, and hopefully you would have checked that box on your year-end list sort of a thing, okay? Very quickly, and then we'll get into some subtleties here in a few moments, okay? And before we get too many any too many life insurance agents who may be listening uh, a little rankled here, this, the other basic flavor uh, is called whole life insurance or permanent life insurance or cash value life insurance, okay? Uh, and by the way, it's a wonderful product that has lots of advantages, but, uh, but it's also fairly expensive up front. Long term, it's probably cheaper, but that depends on a bunch of things. Anyway, the way it works is that if you're if you're gonna if you're 45 years old and gonna buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of term insurance, the price is X. If you're the same age and you're gonna buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of whole life insurance, the premium is more. It's, yeah, okay. It's, it's five x or ten x or yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't well, know what well, I don't know the some, exact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. some number yeah. basically. Yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, and the, the deal is that in addition to purchasing life insurance, you have some cash or some savings that builds up inside the policy, which is why they call it cash value life insurance, okay? And so, so folks, if you're looking at a statements and you see somewhere the word cash value, I, I can pretty much guarantee you that you have some kind of a whole life insurance policy. Okay, so that cash value, long-term it gets bigger. Long-term you can borrow against it, you can do a bunch of things, okay? Uh, and by the way, short-term, okay, that cash value produces dividends, just like savings accounts, not much these days, but some, okay? And those dividends, either you can buy more life insurance with a policy. So if you have a whole life insurance policy and you take the dividends for the come from cash and apply it to your life, you can purchase more insurance. You can actually increase the amount of insurance you have every year, okay? Uh, by using the interest from the cash value to do some, buy some more life insurance, or you can take the interest 
you know, just let it build up, whatever rings your bell sort of a thing. But bottom line is there's a, a lot of things you can do with it, okay, uh, including tax-free borrowing, a bunch of other things. I'm, I'm not going to get into the good and the bad and the ugly. I'm, I'm just saying that it, it makes sense for a, lo- a lot of people in a lot of situations. The, the problem is, okay, that when you're starting out in life in your 20s and 30s and 40s and you have kids and family, okay, life insurance is something you have to cover, but you have a few other places you got to put your money, okay, <laughs> like living and cars, okay, and food uh, and maybe saving for retirement. And it's just because up front, whole life insurance is a, a higher number there you know it's just more difficult for folks who were younger getting started in life with families to have all their life insurance whole life because you might not have any money left over to put in your 401k sort of a thing right um for for, for years and years and i I, I don't know if this still applies, but for years and years, okay, the folks that I would, and, and hopefully this has gotten better, but the folks that I would meet, okay, they would have inadequate life insurance coverage, but it would all be whole life. That's because they got sold that and there was commissions involved and whatever, okay? Um, so I, folks, it doesn't matter what kind of life insurance you have when you die, you still get the same kind of check. Okay, what what does matter is how much you paid for it and whether you're doing all the other things in your financial life with your money or if something had to sacrifice. You know, if you have to sacrifice to buy whole life insurance versus term and not put as much money inside your retirement plan, I wouldn't do that. You know, it just kind of depends, okay? So again, we, we make no value judgments about term or whole life my my generic comment is okay you need to buy enough and whether it's all term all whole life some combination of the two it's only a part of where your money goes and you've got other financial places in your life that you have to spend money and if you have a big comprehensive plan in place you can at least make some value judgments about how you want to do your insurance coverage you you need a a bigger picture framework to work from to make any common sense out of life insurance as far as i'm concerned help me out kirk any thoughts here so far well i mean pretty much pretty much just to agree with you that and i you know i said this before i think you know i think term is probably you know probably more appropriate for for a lot of folks um just because it you know because of what it allows you to do with the rest of your financial life you know it because it's it's relative you know it's much more uh inexpensive uh, you know it's more affordable it allows you to you know to to use your you know your money to do some other things now and now if you're somebody that you know your your number one priority is life insurance then then and you want to do whole life okay uh, but but if you're trying to check off all the boxes then I, I would I would surmise that you know term is probably going to help you you know meet meet everything else you know a little bit easier. Yeah, and to go back and harp on the big picture, you got a lot of financial boxes you got to check in your life. You only have so much money, and if you have enough information about all of them, you can make your value judgments about where you want to put your emphasis. That's that's perfectly, I think, perfectly sensible. Yeah, I think you know you should have you know this is a conversation you know you can have you know with you know with your advisor or with your insurance agent, but. And then I think, you know, if it's a, if it's a, you know, husband and wife or a couple or whatever it is, you know, they need to have a, a conversation between the two of them about, um, you know, what, what are they, what do they, what do they want? You know, what do they need? You know, what's, you know, what's, what's realistic and then, and then make a decision. Don't, yeah. It, you know, and again, not to upset anybody in the insurance world, but don't, don't get sold something that you don't want or need, you know, think, figure out what you, what you think you want or need. And then, and then, you know, talk to somebody that can help you get there. Yeah, as kind of a shout out to in general life insurance agents for for a very long time in my career early on, the folks who were in the life insurance business did a whole lot better job of taking information down about people in their situations and circumstances to make recommendations than most investment folks have done, sort of a thing. Uh, with the advent of certified financial planners, that being us and about 50,000 other folks across the country, uh, there are some financial folks who know a lot of things about a lot of areas, which is a, which is a good thing, okay? Uh, but now, Thankfully, we know more than the insurance folks. An insurance person, uh, the most ethical, honest, best 
insurance person in the world can do a, a an analysis of your situation but they might not know about your finance, the rest of your finances. They, they, they might not know about your 401k and your retirement plans and things like that. So, so you can get an assessment of your life insurance needs from a life insurance person. It may not be as complete as it would be from a certified financial yeah, plan or in a certified financial plan. They, okay. they, you know, yeah, because they, they might not know what you can afford. There, there you go. That's exactly correct. You can have the best life insurance coverage in the world and be saving 15 cents a month in your 401k. And, and if you live to 100, that was a bad decision. You know, it's just one of those things. Okay, so you have to weigh all these things with your money and go from there. Anyway, so now quickly, uh, so let's see. Uh, if you're younger and you figure out that you don't have enough insurance, figuring out what you do if you have some whole life insurance policies and stuff. That, that's, that's 17 radio shows from our point of view, and we're not capable of giving 15 of them, given that what's going on. But I'm gonna speak to some of the older folks who are near retirement or in retirement who may have some life insurance in place. Okay, we, we would often say, if we see somebody having some, some whole life insurance policies that they can afford to own, sure, hang on to them. If you, if, you know, if you have a life insurance policy that you had for 15 or 20 years, it's probably not a good idea to throw it away, but you may or may not have to continue to pay premiums. So, so for, for you older folks near or in retirement, you may have more insurance that you need, but if it doesn't cost you much or if it doesn't cost you anything to have, what the heck? I guess your kids will be happier or something like that, given the circumstances. So, so whole life insurance policies, you can do stuff, folks, like, uh, you know, either use the cash value for other things or you can you can say, geez, uh, I think there's enough dividends in my policy that I don't have to pay the annual premium anymore. So there's there are some pretty cool things that you can do with life insurance. OK, uh, if you've had it for 50 whole life insurance, if you had it for 15 or 20 years under the heading of not not getting rid of it, but maybe hanging on to it for free or for low cost just because you can. And we have those discussions fairly often with folks who've got those policies. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, for- yeah. And I think, you know, as far as the whole life goes, I mean, you know, in my experience, the you know, to, the way to really make it. Uh, you know, work for you is is to have it for for a long time. Um, you know, to so if if you're thinking about whole life, it, it, it you have to be a long term investor. Yeah, right? it, yeah, because that's that's how you know that's how you grow that cash value uh, is by having it for a long time, um, and so you can grow that that pot of money, you know, inside the policy that you can then uh, perhaps tap into to, you know, defray the cost of the insurance, um, you know, going forward uh, or, or buy additional insurance or like, you know, like Mike said, or to even take, even take income from the policy. Um, but in order for that to really accumulate and get to a you know, a sizable number is you gotta, you gotta have the policy for, for a, a number yeah. of years. Yeah, and, and one more thing about whole life insurance, and this is just the way you look at it. Okay, so let's pretend you have a $100,000 term policy and you also have a $100,000 whole life policy uh, and there's say $75,000 worth of cash value in that. Okay, so you've got, you're a 65 year old person, I'm making this up, you've got $200,000 policies, one's a term policy, one's a whole life policy with 75,000 cash value. When that person dies, if both of those policies are in effect, okay, you got $100,000 from your term, <clears throat> but by the way, <clears throat> you got $100,000 from your whole life, but 75,000 of that was your own money, okay? But in, in a whole life policy, the life insurance company's risk decreases as your cash value increases in a portfolio, in a policy. That's kind of an interesting concept sort it of is. thing. So you get, you get the same check, okay? But in the case of the whole life policy, 75,000 of it was yours. Well, some people may look at that and say, well, you know, I've got enough money, I'm okay. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll use some of that money and take it and just have some fun or do this, that, and the other thing with it sort of a thing. So there's lots of different ways to look at a whole life policy uh, and you can kind of get creative with them sometime, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, so I think you said it before, whole life is definitely, uh, it's potentially a good product uh, if, it, if it, you know, if it makes sense for you. Um, but it's, you know, it should be a long-term proposition. Um, and be, yeah, because it, it could potentially provide some, you know, it's a, a you know, another asset uh, that, you know, potentially you have uh, in retirement. Um, so again, it, it, every, it's different for everybody. Uh, really, really on an individualized basis. Yeah, um, by the way, I went quick before the break, and I guess we're getting close. Yep. Regardless of what kind of insurance policy you, you have, how about you make it a yearly event to check the beneficiaries, make sure nothing's changed? Good idea. It's changed, right? Good idea. Uh, all right, so we're just about ready to take a break here. My name is Kirk Reed, joined uh, this morning by Mike McNamara, uh, McNamara uh, on money. Uh, we're going to be right back in a minute or two. We're going to take a quick break. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. All right, we are back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. My name is Kirk Reed, joined this morning by Mike McNamara down in sunny southwest Florida. Good morning, Mike. It's cloudy and a little rainy today, but no worries. Ah, okay. A little bit of rain. So, yeah, so this time of year, do you get rain for like... For a prolonged period of time. I know in the summer it rains for like two minutes and then it's done. Uh, yeah, there was more. There's more longer chunks of uh, storms there. So like like year, five yeah. minutes. Well, maybe you know <laughs> something. Like that. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just right, giving so you a hard we, time because it's you know it's, it's <laughs> hey dreary dreary up here and cold. I can live with that. Yeah. All right, so folks, uh, the, the the last last uh, financial box we want to try to check here, and I've saved a half an hour to do this or whatever the time is, uh, are you legally squared away? Okay, and so I thought the best way to do this is I've got four or five questions I'm just going to read, and after I've scared everybody to death after reading them, we'll go back and talk about them. Okay, so here, so here we go. All right, so first question, the big one, are you legally squared away? Okay, here we go. Are your legal documents appropriate and up to date? If you have a trust or two, are they funded and do you know what they do? Are you comfortable with your choice of legal representatives? Are you comfortable with who holds your power of attorney? Are you comfortable with your choice of trustee? Is your legal representative, power of attorney, trustee familiar with your financial circumstances? And if you have not treated your children as equal beneficiaries, do they know? All right. I'm thinking those questions could take about two hours. Kirk, what do you think? Um, I, th I think Tim just has something to yeah, interject. Yeah. yeah, excuse me, Mike and, and Kirk, just want to interrupt. Sure. We always want to bring our uh, updated uh, news and such. We have an accident on the highway to report. Route 3 southbound. This is before the Route 228 exit. So if you can avoid that, please do so. It's a big mess right now. Again, Route 3 southbound. This is before the Route 228 exit. So if you can, get off that exit or uh, just find a different way or stay home for now. So back to McNamara on money. Thank you, gentlemen. You're, uh, no worries. All right. So, Mike, you don't have to, you can you can disregard that. Yeah, Mike. don't worry. Yeah, you're fine yeah. down there in the <laughs> sunshine state. Yeah. Don't no worry. Don't, don't, don't trouble yourself well, with our work, than, with our problems. Than, yeah. Other than torn, well, you guys didn't have a tornado last Sunday, so that's all Oh, right. that's no, we didn't. Story. No. That's true. That's true. <laughs> You know, that's the price you pay. By, by the way, that was 500 yards from my home. That, that was, Ooh. yeah, crazy. Yeah, Alyssa said it was pretty close. Uh, it was across the street. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Anyway, so um, so by the way, I guess the, the first broad statement is because the world is so complicated and life is so complicated, everybody should have some basic legal documents, Okay, or 98% or, or of everybody should have some basic legal documents. And, and those basic legal documents would be a will, a power of attorney, uh, a, a living will, and a health care proxy. Okay, Kirk, you want to take a run at defining those so I don't monopolize the conversation here? Okay, uh, so 
a will is basically, a, you know, it's a written document, uh, preferably uh, written by an attorney. Um, <laughs> not, not you know, wills.com or whatever, um, but that's just my opinion. Um, and it basically, you know, it, it basically governs, you know, any, some, so somebody that has passed away, any assets that they owned that, you know, didn't have specific beneficiaries named uh, would, you know, be controlled by the will. So let's say, you know, that would, you know, for most folks that would cover maybe, you know, personal uh, belongings, um, you know, perhaps, perhaps uh, their house, uh, if it's, you know, depending on how it's owned, uh, if it's owned in the individual's name, uh, you know, automobiles, things like that, um, you know, that the will would basically dictate, you know, where those assets would go uh, upon someone's death. Now, you know, so if you have a will, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you can avoid probate, which I think is a common misconception. So, you know, if, um, you know, just because you have a will, that just means it's going to help, you know, it's going to help the court, you know, uh, you know, move the assets to where, where they go. But it's still, they're still going to have to go through probate. By the way, a will is a ticket to probate. Right, right. How's it's not, that? it's not, it's, yeah, it's, so it's quite the opposite. It's not, it's not an avoidance of probate. It's, it's a guarantee that, 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 that you're going to go to probate. Um, but that's okay. You should, you should still have one because it's going to, it's going to make things a lot, uh, a lot less sticky. Um, and, and probate's not necessarily bad. Right. That's okay. Yeah. Right. Um, so, okay. You okay with that as far as the will yep. goes? Rocking and rolling. All right. So. Power of attorney is a legal document, again, preferably drawn up by, by an attorney, a real live attorney, and it it basically names a person that can act on someone else's behalf uh, while they are still living, but, you know, uh, you know, they are declared incompetent or, you know, unable to, you know, make decisions on their own or shouldn't be making decisions on their own, or perhaps they're, you know, they're in a coma or, you know, they're, um, they're in the hospital. Um, and so basically that this, this other person or this, this power, this attorney, in fact, I think is the, you know, the, 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 the technical title can basically do anything that, 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 that other person can do as far as, you know, signing checks, um, you know, uh, make, taking control of investments, basically do it, you know, it's, it's, they can do anything, um, you know, financially speaking or, or perhaps otherwise that this other individual could do. Um, but it's only while they're alive. You know, once, once that person passes away, the power of attorney is, is null and void. And by the way, for you legal folks listening, <laughs> attorneys listening to this show, we know there's all kinds of different powers of attorney with limited in scope. We're just trying to do the big picture for our listening audience. So don't get mad at us. Either, right. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, and typically you would want to name, you know, not only would you name a power of attorney, but the document probably should have a, uh, what's called a successor uh, power of attorney in case something happens to the first person. You know, maybe they're maybe they've passed away, or maybe they don't. Maybe they decided they don't want to do it, um, and so you should probably have a backup, uh, you know, listed as well. Um, okay, so then what do we have next? The healthcare proxy and living will. All right, so healthcare proxy. Uh, basically, you've you know you're naming uh, another individual uh, that can you know make decisions on your behalf. Uh, from from a medical standpoint, so you know, if it's, again, say you're in the hospital uh, in a coma, or you know, uh, maybe in surgery, and or, or whatever, and you can't, you know, something needs to happen, uh, or they or the doctors need need a decision from someone. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna go to that person and say, you know, we need to make a decision. Here's what we need to do, and then and then that person uh, basically, you know, makes the call, um, and. So the the living will is basically a document that that person that's in a coma has basically laid out what their wishes, you know, for hopefully a couple different scenarios to help the healthcare proxy, you know, make that decision. Um, and that, that's basically the, the high level of, of those documents. And that's all we're capable of doing. And that was a good job. Okay. So folks, if you're, so let's see, so who needs what? So if you're 27 years old, still living with your parents, own a car, a computer, and a few bucks in a 401k, you probably don't need a will, okay? Uh, but by the way, if you're a young family uh, with, with kids, 
you, you know, you need a will and the, the difficulty for young families is picking who's going to take care of the kids if both parents die sort of thing. That's kind of a hold up. But almost everybody needs uh, these basic documents. By the way, if you are single and or single and retired, okay, you need all of these documents, much more so than if you're married and, and joint, okay? Um, you know, if you're a, think, please think about this, folks. If you're a single person and you don't have somebody who holds a power of attorney, you know, if something, if you're in a coma tomorrow, if, if you start forgetting who you are, who, who, who takes care of you? Have you made any plans for that sort of a thing? So if you're a single person, you are particularly vulnerable to a whole bunch of legal issues because there's nobody officially around to help you. And you need to have some official help uh, because uh, that, that's the kind of world that we live in. So this is pretty serious stuff from our point of view. Um, so let's see here. The, the yeah, I guess I want to spend a little time talking about the people that you designate okay because that's kind of a hard thing mm. okay um and i think that's so, you know that i think that that's um I, I think that's oftentimes why people procrastinate on this yeah. right i think that's yeah. probably the number one reason is yeah that's a tough decision for a lot of people and either they they can't make the decision or they or they just don't even want to address it because it's it's just a little overwhelming um so i think that that's yeah that's a, that's a tough one yeah but for younger folks with kids their procrastination is well let's see i'd like my sister to take care of my kids if we both die well i, I think my brother would be okay they have trouble picking you know care caregivers for the parents for the rest of, for their kids for the rest of their lives okay but you know as well, you not, get older, not, not only that but you know it's also like well do i want to put the burden on my brother or sister-in-law yeah. of taking my seven kids yeah. um you know because they've already got three of their own and you know, yeah. so I think that's, you know, that's that's another consideration. After you make that choice, or should I say probably before you make that choice, you probably should have chatted with them and made some provisions for that sort of a thing. And again, so that's that's just a fact, but it gets kind of messy if you don't have a will in place and it's just something you just have to deal with. You know, it's easy to put off, but, you know, that could cost you cost the remaining remainder of your family dearly over a long enough period of time. Uh, when, when, you know, when you're older and retired, and this is a, a good bunch of my client base these days, okay, well, let's see. Uh, you know, I've got three kids. You know, wh which one do I pick that's going to hold my power of attorney that's going to make my decisions? Well, by the way, there might be one who is more qualified of the three than the others to do that. By the way, there might be a second kid who's more qualified or, or, or more comfortable making medical decisions. And, and, and so if you have multiple choices, maybe you can partition those jobs out to people for whom, whom makes the most sense. That, that's a thought. Uh, you know, we've seen people put all three kids as that, their, their uh, health care proxy or their power of attorney. Well, <coughs> If you have three kids and there's a disagreement, who's the tiebreaker sort of a thing? So there, there, there's all kinds of personal, emotional, and professional reasons involved in choosing the people to do those things, talking with them, informing them, and by the way, having them informed. Okay, we have a number, I have a number of single folks, okay, who are retired, and one of their children sits in on our annual meetings. Well. That was my idea most of the time, or there sometimes. That's a great, if you are charged with somebody's durable power of attorney, or if you were charged with being an executor on your parents' estate, it would probably be a pretty good idea if you were pretty well informed about what their situation and what their circumstances were, sort of a thing. So this is, a, I guess, an, a special shout out to single folks to have legal documents in place. This is this is really important stuff given the circumstances. So I, I, just, oh, I just had one comment on the, you know, about, yeah. you know, how many, you know, individuals to have. And uh, this is, I'm not gonna, I won't name names, but there was an old attorney friend of yours that I remember a line that uh, that she had. And it was, I think it was, 
specifically regarding, you know, trustees, like if, if somebody yeah. had a trust. But, you know, she was like, well, you know, two is, is no good because then because there's no tiebreaker. Right. So if they disagree, yeah. there's no movement. Yeah. You know, yeah. so she was like, really, it should be one or three and three yeah. and three is too many. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I always remember that. I thought that was a great a great line. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, and on, uh, I guess, r- related to that discussion um, is, is that. Uh, I want to be tactful about how I say this, but many times kids fight about money, okay, uh, upon death of a parent or parents, well, death of the last parent, I guess. Uh, And so if you are a single older person, retired or single and just concerned, if you have kids, uh, you know, if you've you've treated those kids... uh, unfairly for very good reasons because some needed it and some didn't it or or if you've you know if if you've i mean the situations you run across and attorneys out there listening let's see i'm going to leave my house to my three kids and they'll be happy about it well let's see one kid will want to sell it because they need the money okay A, a second kid will want to live there forever and, and you know pay no rent uh, and the third kid doesn't care well, well you know the, 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 you need to be sure if you have children that whatever however the inheritances are going to fall or whatever the rules are that they probably know about it and understand it beforehand because we just see too many cases of people uh, having disagreements about about how that all works. You know, one wants to sell it, one wants to live there. Oh yeah, and the third one wants to rent it for the rest of their life and make. You know, kids are in different financial circumstances, and it's just not all groovy most of the time <laughs> when people die and and kids kind of figure out what they need to do with the money. I mean, you, you, Kirk, you've only been in this business fifteen years. You've yeah. seen enough of that already, right? I well, mean, uh, I have. And- and it's, you know, people, people, uh, a lot of people uh, don't maybe like talking about their money with their kids. And I, I, yeah. I understand that. Um, yeah. But I think if they, if they were, if they were to, you know, and everybody thinks, you know, my kids are the best, they're going to get along, you know, they're great individuals, you know, no problem. But you know, we've seen. I've seen enough in, in my limited scope uh, to, to know to know that you can by by just you know by making assumptions about how your kids are going to react, you can potentially you know drive you know drive these kids apart. You know, and by by not just having these conversations with them about you know does anybody care? Does anybody want something? And you know, yes, I, yeah, it can be a hard conversation to have. Uh, I understand that, but. I think I think ultimately it makes life easier um, down the road, and that's you know that's just that's from my experience, but um, but I know it's not easy. Yeah, and uh, one other thought on the who you choose, and this is this is the real life. You know, the documents do what they do, but the but who the people are and how they execute that and how they deal with it—that's the important side. They, you know, being a power of attorney uh, or an executor. That could take an awful lot of time and effort required on the holder of that. If you've got a complicated, I have a client locally who's been settling her brother's estate for four years, okay? And she doesn't have kind words to say say about him given the circumstances. And, you know, we we know folks who hold powers of attorneys for folks who are in nursing homes, okay? And so when when you choose and when you talk with some of those folks, you may want to make some provisions to compensate them, okay? Because the time and effort uh, that they may have to spend to do their job correctly is time away from their families, is time away from work, is, is an inconvenience, or it could, could certainly be that. So there's that whole dynamic that revolves around all these legal documents that, that's kind of a tough one sometimes, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Kirk, we only got about four or five minutes to talk about trusts. What do you, <laughs> what do we, you think? We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> oh, gosh, by golly. Uh, so, uh, we got about, about 10 minutes. 
Well, good. Okay. Uh, so, so folks, uh, neither Kirk or I are attorneys. We want to be very clear about that, and and we're not about to be giving anybody uh, any any legal advice. But we we know enough about uh, some trust things to at least explain what some of the issues are, how they might work, and why you might want to talk to an attorney. Okay, and get the the, the serious details. Okay. Uh, for for. I, I think, I guess my first comment would be that trusts are very misunderstood legal documents. Uh, n not a lot of people have a handle on what they are, on how they work. And by the way, not a lot of people who have trusts have a handle on what they are, how they work, or what or, or what they need to what needs to be done or administered. Okay, they 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 can solve problems legally. They may create other problems other places. Uh, there's no free lunch in the world, okay? Uh, but they're very, they can be very complicated with regard to the execution, with regard to legal and tax and investment implications. There's a lot of moving pieces, okay? Uh, but the, ba basically, a, a trust is a set of instructions about what happens to your stuff when you're not here anymore, and it could take the place of a will by the way. But anyway, so it's just a, it's a set of instructions about what happens to your stuff. You have to put the stuff in the box for it to, to take effect. It has to be owned by the trust. Uh, and theoretically, you don't have to go through probate court. It's, it's a private kind of settlement of your affairs with a trust. Okay. Uh, that That's a very short version of that. Okay. Um, and there are two basic kinds of trusts, revocable and irrevocable. Uh, a revocable trust is a trust that you create, that you administer, that you are the trustee of, that's in your social security number and or a, a tax ID number, but it's owned by you, it's administered by you, it's trusteed by you, okay, and it does avoid probate. And in Massachusetts, it might save you a few bucks on Massachusetts estate taxes down the line. Okay. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, because it's revocable, you can change it. You can make a different changes over the years and update it, do this, that, and the other thing. Okay. Um, but it does not protect your assets for nursing homes. You know, the, the, the two biggies are, I want to avoid probate and I want to protect myself from nursing homes, okay? Because a revocable trust is owned and administered by you, it's an asset, okay? And it doesn't count in terms of hiding money from nursing homes or protecting money from nursing homes, okay? A, a revocable trust, they can do several things. One of them being, uh, you know, shelters from, from nursing home assets if certain rules are followed. But also revocable trusts uh, can, can take care of uh, beneficiaries who might not be, uh, uh, you know, might be challenged mentally or physically or th there are several good, very good uses of irrevocable trusts, but they can't be changed. They're permanent vehicles. Uh, you don't own, if you put your home in an irrevocable trust to protect it from nursing homes, please be clear. You just gave it away. You don't own it anymore. Okay. You can certainly live there if you make provisions in the trust, but, but the bottom line is, okay, those are those are big decisions to give away your assets and put them in this box called an irrevocable trust. It may, it may protect you against some things. It may cause problems in some other financial areas of the world. Um, and, and while we're on uh, revocable trusts, if you were to ask a financial planner, an accountant, and an attorney to comment on revocable trusts, you would probably get three different interpretations and three different suggestions and three different recommendations mm -hmm. <laughs> given the circumstances. You know, my my biggest thing is, okay, if you put your home in an irrevocable trust, it's not yours. You can't get any money out of it, and you can't put a reverse mortgage on it if you get in trouble in retirement and run out of money. And I, I have known over the years of several clients who have put their homes in irrevocable trusts and protected them indeed from nursing home costs. But... If they run out of money, 
they can't put a mortgage on their property and that's a problem given the circumstances. There's not a good, there's not a bad, but those are the two basic kinds. And, you know, what what, what do you want to do about that, folks? I mean, how's that all going to work? Okay. Um, it, it, I think it's overkill. I, I, I really do. Um, you know, I, I, I think I can make a case that if you have properties in a couple of different states that probably makes sense to have a couple of, uh, you know, have a, a, a revocable trust because it risks two different probate costs. But right. but basically the, the, those are the, the two basic kinds. You can avoid probate and get money to your, and assets to your kids very quickly and very privately. Okay, with with revocable trusts, the the irrevocable trust is just a much bigger deal. Okay, they can be wonderful investments and serve certain purposes, but there might be other things that you have to give up in terms of a trade-off, and just be make sure that you understand what those are. And honestly, folks, most people don't. I mean, um, you know, most folks that we have, when we ask them to explain what's going on with the trust or what they do, what they work. What do they say, Kirk? <laughs> well, yeah, one, yeah, one of the well, one of the most interesting or uh, comments that we get is like, you know, we, if somebody has like a, maybe an investment account with us that's uh, yeah. like in their in their own name, yeah, and we might just say, well, hey, have you, do you have a trust? You know, do you want to put this money in the trust? And they would be like, oh yeah, we have a trust. And, uh, and like, like, okay, well, you know, did, did your attorney say that you should put this money in there? And they're like, I don't remember. Um, or, or I don't know. And, um, and so I think, you know, attorneys, you know, they do great work and they, you know, they do all this stuff, but then, you know, there's, there's some execution that, that, you know, needs to be done. And, and oftentimes it, it doesn't. Um, so, you know, you, you know, you talked about, you know, you're, you're creating this box, right? You're creating this box but you got to put the stuff in the box in order to make it work. And, and the stuff, the stuff doesn't always make it to the box, uh, the way it's yeah, supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it's trust is certainly revocable. Trusts are useful documents and there's a fairly decent percentage of folks listening to us who probably would be a bit better off having something like that. But by the way, they cost money, okay, to create. And by the way, it takes some effort to, you, you got to put the things in the box. The box doesn't work unless you actually put the things in the box and title them as the name of the trust. And then you get into, oh, uh, you know, well, let's see. Uh, can my trust own my IRA? No. Can my trust, uh, you know, if, if you've gone to the extent uh, of creating a a revocable trust, well, your bank account should be in that box, okay? Your investment account should be in that box. Uh, maybe your house should be in that box. And if you're a married couple, maybe you kind of divvy those assets up and do this, that, and the other thing. There's lots involved. But my, my point is that that uh, it, we live in a legal world, okay? Uh, if we encourage our clients to have powers of attorney on file for us. If, if God forbid, uh, 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 a female married client calls us and says, "I need to get some money out of my husband's IRA. He's in a uh, he's in a coma. I don't have any money." If she doesn't have a power of attorney on file for, with us, we, we have to say no. We'd have to see a copy of your power of right. attorney. Hopefully, she has one. If she doesn't have one, she's got to go to court. Yep. They're married, okay? This, so all this is like preventative stuff, okay, to, to worry about, okay? Uh, and you just have to spend the time on it, folks. And that's what the purpose of this whole show. So I guess my, my summary comments are that you got a whole bunch of financial boxes you have to check in your life. Okay, once a year, you probably should sit down and spend several hours going over that. And if, and if you want our list, you can email questions at yeah. McNamaraonmoney.com and we'll be happy to share uh, share our list with you. Yeah, no, nobody else is going to take care of you but you folks and so you need to uh, deal with that and get to work on it. That's where I'm coming from. Alright, this has been Kirk Reed and Mike McNamara, uh, McNamara on Money. We are uh, signing off for today. Uh, thank you for listening.